0: Maybe Hatch should have a master list, <laughs> and it's called "My Ass." Ba Man, that's that's going in there somewhere. <laughs> that's what you think. The only thing that's going in is you saying "My Ass," my ass, and then I'll put oh, I'll put a, I'll put a beat to it. And it's called "My Ass." ass. It's ass. Listeners, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is Henry. And my name is John. And together we are Henry and John. So, uh, how are you, Henry? This week I'm doing swell. Nice, I'm also doing swell. Well, aren't we just both swollen? We're swollen with positivity. That's the best kind of swelling you want. I feel like this past, I don't know, few podcasts, I don't know when that podcast where we were really depressed was. It's about a month ago. But I think it's all just been uphill. And downhill? Man, that's a confusing metaphor. So if we want to say things are getting better... Yeah. We say... But if we say uphill, that implies they're difficult. Well, but if we um, say downhill, we imply that spiraling out of control. But, okay, you could say we've been on an upswing. Upswing. Yeah. Yeah, definite upswing. Yes. But swinging implies it's going to swing backwards eventually, and I'm not comfortable admitting that yet. Well, life is a pendulum. And I want to ride it all night long. Is that a Kiss song? It's, uh, what, Life is a Highway from Cars? Uh, <laughs> I do not think that's what that song is from. <laughs> from the Pixar film Cars? That's not where that song debuted. <laughs> when Lightning McQueen sang Life is a Highway? Is that is that a thing that happened? I never saw that movie. No, it didn't. I've seen that movie <laughs> dozens of times. Oh boy, what a stinker. All right, John. Yeah, I'm going to be straight with you. Mm. We have a lot to get through in this show. Oh, we need to get to it. We really don't have time for you to go on another one of your diatribes. All right. About the movie cars. I will save my car's tangents for another day. Do you promise? We just have to start separating the chaff from the wheat. We can't have another episode like last week where all you talked about was cars. What, you mean the symbolism of the female cars transfer? Exactly, stand? you can't. Okay. Let's what sh- I was going to talk about today oh, was, okay. uh, was how Lightning McQueen. <laughs> no, oh! We okay. don't have time. Look, okay. John, John, I have to just be straight with you and ask, what are we doing? What are we doing? I've got the answer. Oh? I've got a new segment that I like to call WhatTheFrackfeed.com? What the Wait, what? What the frack dot com? What the frack dot com? Yes. I understand Little of that. You've heard of the website BuzzFeed, correct? Yeah. And you've heard of the mining, I guess, technique known as fracking, right? Yeah. What if I told you that some genius had the mind, the genius mind, to put a buzzfeed-like website together with fracking. Wait. In a weird attempt to get children or teens to be okay with fracking. Wait. Wait. What if what? I What if I told you that on this website there's a there's a page called memes? Is this like some asbestos removal memes type bullshit? Probably. Oh god. Here. Here's a few of them. Now, now I, we can't show our viewers, but I'll describe them. On the left, we've got a picture of Donald Trump and his hair. is like all over the place, and it says fracking mm-hmm. because some people need hairspray. Oh. Now, y- you know, make fun of Donald Trump. Easy target. Yeah. Easy to understand. Maybe the kids will rally behind this. Let's keep scrolling down. While Hollywood created Miley Cyrus... A statement that is confusing. Yeah. Fracking created 600,000 jobs. Wha- what? What? Who, who, who's what? the intended audience? Where's their fact checking? What is this? <laughs> Here's a picture of people with their head in the sand, and it says, Fractivists when confronted with science. So wait, are Fractivist people who are pro-fracking? Because those sound like fracking activists. That That's what it sounds like to me, too. That one's confusing. All right, let's keep going. Uh, wind power is so 1492. And there's a picture of uh, some boats. I'm guessing it's going to be, you know, the the Maria, the Pina, and the, Sa- the Sa- you know, the other one. Yeah, the Santa Columbus Maria. Columbus th- yeah. I said Maria, but San, Domingo? That's not one. Santa Domingo. All right. Uh, mmm, what else we got? This one confuses me. Go up a little bit. It says, there's a picture of a jet, I believe a G6, and it says fracking because celebrities' jets don't run on solar power. Who is this appealing to? It seems like the the site is fighting itself. Half of the memes are for fracking, and the other half of the memes seem to be against it because that last one, I right? Maybe, right. maybe. Why is this a... Okay, do I look at this and I say, "Man, I'm so glad for fracking because celebrities need jets." That, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. Uh, okay, here's a picture of someone. Is, who, who is that? Do you know who that is? That's Rihanna. All right, this is Rihanna, and she's looking all, you know, out of the side of her eyes, like, like, like suspicious, or, or I don't know, and some she's, side eye. Yeah, you know, she's, so, she's, she, so, and she's saying apparently the meme is saying. So you're telling me fracking is the reason I have 50 plus bottles of nail polish. Oh. Interesting thing about the picture, like, maybe your nails are polished, but it's, really, it's kinda hard to tell. Yeah, you can't really tell. Wow. But, uh, what? 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 I, both of these are appealing to celebrities. Hmm, I, I just, oh man. Frackfee.com. Wait, no, 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 there's one for Ghostbusters. Oh gosh. Oh it just says fracking because Ecto 1 doesn't run on solar. Is that the name of the car? Yes. Oh go- It's a Pokemon Go one. Fracking helping, helping you catch, catch them, them all. all. Wait. How does fracking necessarily help me catch Pokemon? I don't think it does. I mean, whatever. I guess it, that's dumb. And I I like I don't want to give this website publicity or or anything. But it's, it's just insane how dumb it is, right? I mean, there's always that idea that no publicity is bad publicity, but if Frackfeed is out there, pretty sure no one's gonna read this and be okay with it, right? It, it's, it's pandering on a level that's insulting, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I guess it's supposed to be for, for people who enjoy memes. It actually has a section that says listicles, so it's like, it's not even trying to to hide the fact that it's it's copying... Wait, l- let's read some of these listicle titles. Oh, okay. Let's see. I don't like that one. 12 Reasons Why the Barnett Shale is Such a Big Fracking Deal. There's a picture of Chewbacca Mom. Y- okay. 10 Reasons Why You Shouldn't Mess with West Texas. What does that have to do with fracking? Six alternate fracking storylines to Oscar-nominated movies. That's amazing! Oh my god. <laughs> We're clicking on that one, and, uh, let's see, Mad Max, a future where fracking does not occur and society relies solely on renewable energy. The people quickly realize they need all economic sources to survive. Wait. That is nothing to, that's not, what? He's, okay, so let's rework the plot of Mad Max so it is not what it is. I'm convinced The the entire plot of Mad Max result revolves around the fact that gasoline and such natural resources are non-renewable. Yeah. That they're running out and super valuable, and therefore... If only fracking existed in the world of Mad Max, right? I feel like fracking caused the end of the world in Mad Max. Let's go down. Here's The Revenant. A New York man tries to survive a harsh winter without natural gas... Oh my fucking God. ...after being betrayed by celebrity energy hypocrite Mark Ruffalo what does Mark Ruffalo have to do with the revenant I feel like the alternate plot in that is that they recasted Tom Hardy <laughs> with R- Mark Ruffalo for some reason also let's be fair this alternate plot to the revenant is great was he from New York uh I, I think they're just saying in New York period i I feel a certain sense of weird hatred to uh to New Yorkers also I like that there's a a hypertext link to What Makes Mark Ruffalo a Hypocrite. right, uh, we're clicking it. Uh, it goes to an article on nationalreview.com? I'm not familiar with National Review, personally. And it's just an article about how Mark Ruffalo's apparently a hypocrite. Whatever. Uh, okay, let's... Fracking's dumb. Let's keep going. The Hateful Eight. Yes? Four celebrity fractivists and four off. scientists battle over the truth about how fracking doesn't contaminate groundwater. Spoiler alert, silence went... They're not even remotely engaging, like, the movies that they're alternating. They, they It's like they read one or two sentences of a synopsis. It's like, <laughs> we see the number eight, so that mm-hmm. means there's four, peop- four people on each side. Apparently. I don't know. Okay, what about Inside Out? Inside... Oh my god. Oh, gosh. this is long. Inside Out. A movie about the five emotions a fractivist would go through if she ever graduated college mm mm-hmm. she ever they they made a point of saying she anger she could have changed the world by being an engineer and made and also made more than 30 dollars per hour you know 30 dollars per hour isn't bad frackfeed.com sadness she realizes those hit hardest by fracking bans are working families who pay higher energy costs uh disgust Realizing the anti-fracking cause was based on fear-mongering, she's upset with herself. Fear? After mandating 100% renewable energy, the feeling just before the energy bill comes each month. Okay, so she's afraid of her energy bill. Yeah. And Joy? Accepting that more Americans support fracking than oppose it, and it's okay to embrace affordable energy. You know... None of this is a plot! None of this is a plot, and also none of it actually addresses the issue with fracking. It's like, it's cheap! Alright, we got Star Wars, but it's shown a picture of the new one. Mm-hmm. An entire generation fooled by a celebrity fractivist regime that controls the galaxy learns of the pro-fracking rebellion and the benefits of cheap energy. it okay. actually has a little bit of a plot in there pretty sure the Rebellion would not be the pro-fracking ones. No, right? Because they would rebel against something. Yeah. Also, you know, people who are persecuted always see themselves as the underdogs. I'm pretty sure this is, like, copyright infringement. You can't just take these pictures. Also, by... People who are persecuted. I do mean people who feel persecuted, not people who are actually persecuted. And the Martian. Which isn't even changed. A scientist gets left behind on Mars. Luckily, he survives thanks to rocket fuel and other fossil fuel byproducts. And then in parentheses, okay, that's not an alternative ending at all. Man, make fracking legal. You know what's funny? None of these are alternate endings. (laughs) You're actually totally right. They didn't, the article doesn't do what it's supposed to do. The single one that wasn't ending didn't actually change anything. That oh. is, that's a, that's a dumb website. I'm going to exit it and never go back to it. Those memes were okay, though. Oh my gosh, look, I don't care one way or the other about fracking, but that's not the way to go. up. That's not the rhetoric you want to mm. convince people. That just shows you're desperate if you're trying to, like, pander to the younger generation. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you feel as though as you, if you're the one behind this website as the older generation, you feel maybe the younger generation doesn't have your ideas behind them. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to, like, pander and persuade them through memes and listicles. I mean, if you're having a website trying to pander to young people, and you literally have two buttons that say memes and listicles... You're fucking up. Yeah, you've done something wrong. Yeah, if, if you're putting the dictionary definition words of the things that they want, like, uh, oh, do you want memes? Well, memes for you. Have these memes. I just imagine, you know, Mr. Bill Fracking the Fourth in his high fracking tower behind his fracking desk, and he's like, mmm, we need memes for the children. Mmm, I'm swimming in fracking money. Mmm. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. You can always tell when a cause isn't worth supporting, when, uh, if they attempt to sound persecuted and it makes your skin crawl... Also, they didn't spell fractivist the same way throughout all of... There was no consistency. Yeah, apparently they have no idea how to spell fractivist. Or... So is a fractivist not someone who's against fracking? I'm pretty sure that yes, that is the case. Shouldn't you come up with a term that doesn't sound like you're advocating for fracking? Yeah, like an anti-fracker. Yeah. Or like a no-frack. A no-frack. No-fracker. Or a freak. Yeah. They're frackers and they're freaks. Freaks and frackers. <laughs> Starring Sephiroth. Se- Sephiroth. Sorry, my brain went somewhere else. Sephiroth? Sephiroth. Oh, Sef- Sephiroth. Yeah, sure. Sephiroth. Anyway, man, fracking's dumb. So, uh, I set the table. Mm-hmm. What do we have for a meal? Uh, this is not a meal, but a soup before the next meal. Oh. And that's my new segment. All right. And this is a segment that's going to come up once a, I think once a year on zero credits. Okay. And it's very formal. All right. right, I'm This ready. is the definitive John's Comic Con 2016 trailer corner. All right. Now what I do is, in a, in a round-robin style, I pit all of the trailers against each other so that only two can remain in the final bout right. that you will hear all, right. all the other trailers have fought and died for the honor to be included in this segment. And the two trailers... Wait, wait, wait. So they've already fought and died? All the other ones except two. Wait, well, that's that's But wouldn't the fight be more interesting to hear than, like, just the final? No, I mean, all those other fights you didn't get to see, because that's boring. But this final fight... Man, you're just this, a Dragon Ball Z. This final ultimate fight... All right. ...is gonna be the end-all be-all. All right, so you've narrowed your selection down to... Two movies. Yes, and the way it's going to work is I will give you the two movies, the two trailers that have won out, and you will ask me my opinion of both of them. All right, so who's in the red corner? The red corner is Wonder Woman. All right, and who's in the blue corner? The blue corner is Justice League. So both DC movies. Both DC movies. They really brought it all the way up to the top with this one. All right, that's interesting. Um, All right, so... So to le- begin weighing merits, just ask me how I felt about either one of them. Well let's start with ladies first and go with Wonder Woman. It's pretty okay. Alright. Next. Alright, and now we'll go over to Justice League. Fucking sucked. Alright, so that's not much of a final battle, is it? Wonder Woman wins! Ding ding ding. Ding 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 Wonder Woman. Alright, so as a person who does not watch trailers, I I have no I don't have a perspective about this. What was so good about the Wonder Woman trailer? It was basically the first Captain America movie, which I liked a lot, but in World War One. Okay, so she's from World War One. In this movie. She's like, I don't know, hundreds of years old. That's interesting. But she's actually fighting in World War One in this movie, and it's a cool visual it's a it's a cool look. That's cool. Yeah. Acting seems okay. It seems to have a decent sense of humor, though it kinda has that modern DC movie sense of humor, which isn't Great. I've heard rumors that uh, they're trying to curtail back on Zack Snyder's kind of more grim, dark, edgy, serious sort of factor and trying to, you know, liven things up or add some levity to the movies now. Because I don't think Wonder Woman is Zack Snyder, which is good. Oh, which I think is good too, yes. But, uh, it, it does have some humor, some really, uh, it reminds me of almost like a Kingsman trailer in terms of a, the very dry, kind of amidst spectacles All kind right. of humor. And then the Justice League trailer, which is a Zack Snyder movie, I believe. I think he's involved somehow. So, uh, man, it's that first four bars of that White Stripe song. Okay. I think it's off of Icky Thump. <laughs> But it's the first four bars of that over and over and over again. All right. As you see the uh, the new DC interpretation of these superheroes having dumbass Zack Snyder moments. Like f- what? Flexing and posing? Or what are they doing? So Batman encounters the Flash. The okay. Flash is played by Ezra Miller. The Batman is Batfleck. Yeah. And I really like Ezra Miller. He's Ezra Miller. I, I don't know who that is. Uh, he played Kevin, and we need to talk about Kevin. Alright, that's, he's a titular character, so that's good. But no, he's, he's a very interesting dude. Looks kind of like a Korean pop star. Anyway. That's interesting for, but for either Barry Allen or Wally West. So, Batman throws a batarang at him to prove that he's fast. Okay. In this trailer, time slows down to show that, hey, the Flash is fast and perceives things slower than other people when he's doing his fast thing. That's what we saw out of Days of Future Past with Quicksilver. This Batarang yeah. is in the air in this trailer for what feels like 30 seconds. Wow. It is unbelievably gratuitous. And then he catches them like, hey, uh, I'll join your just League. man, I, I need friends. Hopefully that's just for the trailer. Hopefully. He's, he's a real nerdy dude. Real nerdy Flash dude. What, what I really want movies to start doing, what what would get me to watch, start watching trailers again, is like, don't show trailers from the movie, but film promotional material that doesn't really fit into the movie. You know, like, yeah, like how Pixar used to introduce us to movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, their announcement trailers were always something that stood alone, that wasn't from the movie, but gave us an idea of the characters in the world. Mm-hmm. So if, like, Justice League would have done something like that, where we see some of these characters interacting, but maybe that's not how they're going to meet in the movie, I would be interested. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Also, Aquaman, dumb. You don't like Khal Drogo? I really like Jason Momoa. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. He's a super cool guy. He's going to have a trident. He's a super cool guy. And, uh... What don't you like about Aquaman? Because here's something... Here's a scene from the trailer. Oh, no. To prove that Aquaman is cool. He is... I believe walking on some rocks as the surf is breaking behind him as he is walking in slow motion chugging a bottle of Jack Daniels and then smashing it on the ground. Why would Aquaman do that? Why would Aquaman do that? To be cool, to be like, no, Aquaman is not dumb, Aquaman's cool. Even though trying to make Aquaman cool is what they've been doing for like 20 years. And they don't even need to, they just need to do the one from Justice League Unlimited. Exactly. The one with the hook hand who's fought wars, damn it. The one that like punched an engine block out of a car. Or do the one from the, the, the animated sort of short films that they're doing. The one who's King of Atlantis, he's fought with, you know, their years ago before humans were more conscious of all this stuff. And he's like, hey, I'm going to take over the surface because I can. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they did convince him not to. I mean, Aquaman's cool. Yeah. I think Aquaman's always been cool. Me too, except for Super Friends. That's the only yep. instance where he's not cool. I mean, no one was cool on the Super Friends. No, look at the Wonder Twins. Yep. Who were made for the show, I think. But I mean, I like the direction they've taken Aquaman in and almost every interpretation of him trying to prove that he's cool in a weird way because I, no pun intended, I like the fish-out-of-water aspect of his character where he is in society and is very ill at ease with it. I really like the uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold aquaman who's very boisterous likes adventures and just telling stories mm-hmm. he's like he's basically a, like an adventure novel character mm-hmm. he's great that'd be cool i uh i don't know i like jason momoa maybe he'll do great things with a trailer look dumb oh i just i hope we don't get another situation where we've got half the people defending like a crummy movie and the other half Honestly critiquing it, but being torn apart because, oh, you just don't like DC. mm mm-hmm. I don't want another Batman versus Superman thing. As someone who went on record with his opinions of that movie, yeah. I also don't want that to be the case. I hear the uh, the ultimate director's cut of Batman vs. Superman actually fills in some plot holes. You mean it makes the story bearable? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, like that Batfleck, though. I think Batfleck is awesome. I hear, uh rumors that his standalone Bat film might take place in Arkham Asylum. I'm so okay with that. If they do Arkham Asylum, like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the run mm-hmm. as a movie, that would be awesome. Yeah. I don't care if they do Arkham Asylum the video game or Arkham Asylum the graphic novel. Well, if they do the video game, leave out the Joker ending thing. Yeah, leave that out. Dumb. But mostly just do the graphic novel because the graphic novel has, like, amazing writing. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Ex- Super good. Super good poetry over impressionistic paintings of Batman. Although, who, who's in charge? Is that is Ben Affleck writing that one? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, because if... I don't keep up with DC or Marvel. If Zack Schneider's writing it, he'll probably use the... You know, he would use the graphic novel's inspiration, but then add his own little twist to it to, sit, to prove to the world that he's a good writer. He's like, hey, I'll take a graphic novel that people have called unfilmable for a while, film it, Prove that I can do it, but do it with no, like, craft. Yeah. I'm gonna make sure someone fires a gun so that I can show the bullet from that gun hitting the ground in slow motion. And I'm gonna show people who should have human strength punching through walls. Yep. Dumb. Dumb. Watchmen was a dumb movie. I loved it. One of my favorite films. Really? There are some bad decisions by Zack Schneider. But it's still, I think, a, a representation of the series. It's still a fantastic story. Yeah. And I think he still he told the story as well as he could. As also, I back that ending up. Yeah, yeah. For it being the unfilmable mess that it kind of is, just because it's so many parts are interconnected and whatnot, so many things you have to set up, he did a good job streamlining the ending. Uh, I mean, considering... Whatever, I almost just spoiled the graphic novel. Considering the way the graphic novel ends is because it is a comic book. Yeah. Having it end a different way in the movie is is very apropos. I mean, part of Watchmen's story is the fact that you're reading a weekly released comic book, you know, it, or a monthly released comic book. Mm-hmm. The medium is part of the story, which is what I think Alan Moore was trying to get at, but, you know, it's a movie, different medium, you can tell a slightly different story. Yeah. there is There is an ultimate, ultimate cut. That splices in sections of the dread, uh, what is it called? Uh, the dreadful pirate, whatever. The, the Tales from the Black Freighter. There we go. It splices parts of Tales from the Black F- F- Freighter into the movie where they might have gone. As like a, as like a motion comic? They did a fully, uh, a 20 minute animated short. All right, and so they splice that into the movie. Very jarring does not work at all. Nice. Three hours and 35 minute runtime. I mean, nothing good about it. Perfect. Don't don't watch it. I'll buy it. Oh, it, it, I think it's just on the uh, the disc. Now we're at a kind of an impasse, Henry. Well, we do we have time for one more small segment or do we go to a break? We have time for a small segment, well, but we don't have time for a big segment. Oh no. Looks like you have to give us a small segment. Oh, I think I have something. What? Paper? No. I just wrote down the names of two shows I like. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's do a small segment. Okay, small segment. Okay. What do you got? Uh, bringing back an oldie. By the goodie. It's, it's a- your favorite of mine. It's your favorite segment. Here we go. Maddie's segment of segmented things. Maggie's. It's Maggie. <laughs> That's a cat. That is... <laughs> mighty segment of segmented things it's also a cat that no one who's listening to this knows of. well take that back uh well what's a segmented thing that you like i like food that is segmented because then it's like you can have a little segment of it you take a bite out of it you can save some for later perfect you know what i like what do you like segmented stories oh that's interesting like anthologies oh that's interesting like American Horror Story. Oh, that's interesting. Because like a segment, they're connected but not. I really enjoy that version of storytelling. I think we talked about it a little bit because we didn't know the future of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And we we thought it would be cool if that went kind of the anthology route. And also, it's it's not. In case listeners didn't yeah. know, it is confirmed it will be a sequel like anyway. Almost after the day that we, we recorded say, us saying that... Yep. News came out that it's going to be a sequel instead. But segment uh, segmented storytelling is great. It allows you to cover a lot of different ground. Mm-hmm. You can keep the same actors. It allows them to, to inhabit new characters or different characters. It's just like a, a really neat way to sort of go about telling a story on television. And I mean, that's my concern with Stranger Things going into a second season is it's very difficult to change gears when you rely on sequels. But if you're an anthology and you anthologize your stories, you can have one story that has completely different themes that maybe interconnect with previous themes or play with those themes in some way. And you can, like, play games with the audience and say, like, oh, who's this person playing this time? Yeah. What's really weirdly telling is I almost said, this semester... That's interesting. Don't know why. Do, do you want a an anthology set in a school? Is that Is that what yeah. you're getting at? That would be mean, cool. I'm super into it. Oh man! If you If you had like a high school anthology, and the next season the nerds were the bullies or something like that, yeah. and everyone just switched roles, that would be really cool. That'd be really cool. You can then focus on the, like actors who were in the show who maybe didn't get their story told. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, okay, let's write to the, the Duffer brothers. Okay, I'll write to TBS. TBS? Yeah. Did they produce Stranger Things? No, they're the Turner Broadcasting. Nope. What's TBS stand Turner for? Turner Broadcasting Station. Ah, station. That's the word I forgot. Yeah. Let's write to TNN. Uh, I don't know that one. Tennessee Network of Television? That's TNT. And TNT is the Tennessee Network of Television. What's TNN? The Tennessee Network of Network. Oh gosh, Tennessee is mad as hell, and it's not going to take it anymore. It would be really cool, like to set an anthology in a school because you've got a core cast of characters that probably wouldn't change, and, and the teachers and the staff, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, of course, the town that the t- that the school is in. You could also bring in people from the outside of the school but the students would probably change you know mm-hmm. you might focus on okay we we got the goonies this time and next time let's do i don't know clerks yeah nobody was in school in that movie but but yeah you no. know what i'm getting like the older you know focus on on i don't know oh, dropouts that'd be so okay so you know like how I forget the, the name of this kind of frame story, but let's say you have a television show where every episode focuses on the perspective of a different character. Oh, like uh, Doron But, like, you have a show that takes the perspective of a place. Oh. Like, the, the people change over but time, the, but, but the focus is always on different people through the progression of time. That's interesting. And not necessarily focusing at all on the people that they came to like in the first season. Okay. Okay. Like you could have, you could have a show that's like a high school, and you have, I don't know, a cast of ten characters who are between the ages of ten and sixteen. Next season, same high school, and it's in the eighties or the sixties or the fifties. That's cool. That'd be really cool. You can just explore a bunch of different themes throughout mm-hmm. the years because things keep changing. But then it would be, it would also be interesting to see like what doesn't change, mm-hmm. what what is persistent throughout the years, and you can also do a bunch of visual visual gags with, like, the background and stuff. Guys, stop making stories wider and start making stories deeper. Yeah. Deep stories are viscerally satisfying in a way that wide stories can never hope to be. Because if if I'm being honest about Stranger Things, at the end of the series, I, or, or the season, I guess, I cared about one character. hmm The rest of the characters, they were interesting, but I really didn't care. I don't like Michael. I really hope he doesn't come back. Oh, yeah. This... None of the kids. Lucas? Wait, no, no, no. Dustin's great. Dustin's okay. He actually annoyed me a little bit, though. Well, yeah, but they're kids. I don't like kids, and, like, the show does such a great job as portraying kids as kids, but the <laughs> side effect is, I don't like them. Hey, if we're keeping kids, though. Like, the the Jonathan, Nancy, Steve stuff was really interesting, right? Focus on them. There's your story. But, like, they're they were... The interplay between those three characters, best, most complete part of that show. Yeah, there's your story. Hell, just the relationship between Jonathan and Steve, fascinating. Yes. It's such a good masterclass in storytelling on how people are affected by their environment. And how, like, people are not constant objects, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't have constant or consistent motivations. Yeah, and people don't always feel the same way from minute to minute, let alone day to day. Or episode to episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And I saw people complaining and they said the characters lack consistency. I was like, no, I totally believe that they made the choices that they did. Same here. Because they were given the stimulus that we as the audience saw. And I was like, no, I I totally get why they'd be that way. Man, we could talk more about it, but we would be going into more detail. We would go into supplemental reading territory. So let's just back out a little bit, close out Maddie's segments of segmented things. Thanks, Maddie shout out to Maddie for giving us that and uh let's go on a break alright let's do that let's hit our punch cl- cards and punch that clock and l- the steam whistle on the factory choo choo and uh we'll see you after this commercial break see you on the other side flipmasters ass just say excuse me ass oh boy you're ruining the podcast ass Hi, Henry. Oh, John, hi. I have an ad today. That's great to hear. Have you ever felt like your life lacked direction? Yes. Have you ever felt like you could be doing more with your day? Probably. Do you ever go home with some amount of energy that you feel could have been spent on more worthwhile ventures? I mean, yes. Then do I have something for you? Finally, after all these years. It's called a Compromise Membership to a Globo Gym a compromised membership to a Globo gym. Yeah, you know how sometimes you want to join a gym because you think you're going to be fit? Yeah. And you look at the gyms around you and, like, the really nice ones where all the serious people go and they're expensive. Super expensive. And then you get a membership at one where they yell at you if you wear the wrong clothes, or show too much skin, or wear a hat, or drop weights, or make any kind of noise, or look at people wrong, or drink your smoothie in the wrong area, or leave a little door unlocked, or open, or move a chair. You're talking about gyms and quotation marks? Because those aren't real gyms. They're not, man. I mean, it's nice to be able to, like, get on a treadmill, but you know what you really want? What? You want to try to get fit. And be stopped just short. Because if you get fit, you no longer need the gym, in quotation marks. Exactly. If you get fit, what good is your membership doing you? Nothing. You've accomplished your goal. That's like if you drove to work one day, and when you got there, you were at the finish line. You never had to drive back again, and your job was over. Exactly. Do you want a job that just ends? No. Probably. Do you want a workout that just ends? No. No. Do you want to ever be what you want to be? No. Then join a Globo gym. You can walk on a treadmill and then do a half-hearted circuit where you pretend you're working out. Yay. Yay. That's about fitness, right? Yeah. Yes. What a collection of ad. Man, that was definitely one ad. One single bunch of ad. Yeah, that was definitely not more than one. You know what ads remind me of? What do they remind you of, Jonathan? Storytelling. It's name's name's not, Jonathan. Not, Jonathan. No, not Jonathan. It's never been Jonathan. Never ever going to be Jonathan. Tell us a story. T- <laughs> yes. <laughs> tell us. Tell us a story. About how your name's not Jonathan. It's not. What do you mean, Jonathan? The end. <laughs> All right. So what I want to talk about is storytelling. All right, Jennifer. Have you ever thought that? I don't know it's hard to tell stories to people. I feel like it's a lost art. Oh, are we talking about like telling a story? Literally as in- telling a story to another human being. You mean, like, out loud. Yes. That's what you mean when you say storytelling. Yeah. Story space telling. Here's something I'm really bad at. Storytelling? Yes. I think most young people are, myself definitely included, I'm really bad at stories. It's, I just find that if I can't show someone a picture of something or a video of something, I can't tell a story. Well, no, but that's, that's, that's not true. Use your words to paint the picture, John. Yeah, that's what I should do, but I'm bad at it. I'm just bad at doing things verbally. I have to write them down. Okay. Yeah, if I write them down first, I'm great. There was someone in my place of work today, and I can't tell you his name. You shouldn't. Well, I won't. Great. Thank you for convincing me not to. Anytime. But. Nathan. So he's like a 68-year-old man. Is his name Nathan? No. Dang it. But anyway, it's like a 68-year-old man who proceeds to tell me this story, and this story takes 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. The thing is, though, I am really bad at feigning when a story does not interest me. Yeah. Like, I cannot pretend to be interested. Same here. I can't pretend to laugh. Yeah. I'm very bad at pretending positive things. I can pretend negative things. But this person was telling me this story, and I was hooked. Oh, they... You were super interested. I was on the edge of my seat. He was such an amazing storyteller. All right. He had every, like, storytelling trope of an old man telling a story, and he did it for good reason. Like, the the strategic restatement of certain facts. All right. The ending sentences in such a way that it's impactful enough for you to remember it or asks you to remember previous things. Like, he is 100% on board. And, like, the little mini-quizzes... Was like, and you know what did that mean? Yeah, that's what it meant. It's so good telling a good story. I haven't been that entranced in television like ever. So that's you. You ran across one of the rare natural storytellers mm-hmm. on on the planet. Maybe uh, there are a lot of people who tell stories. Mm-hmm. The small fraction of those people, there's those the the really gifted ones. The rest of the people who tell stories. I can't stand. Yeah, just huge bummers. I, I, this 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 is unfortunate, but uh, I know a person who tells a lot of stories. He's an older gentleman, and his stories seem to all serve the same purpose. Mm-hmm. To make himself look good. Oh. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Or, or to highlight somebody else's, like, lack of thinking. mm mm-hmm. and, and he kind of does the same kind of, like, rhetorical question thing, like, He'll, he'll end a sentence and then do like this weird quizzical face and go, well, I thought, uh, well, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. And like, he you know, he recreates the things, but it's just like, if he, I can predict the end of your story mm-hmm. and how it's going to make you look good, make somebody else look bad, mm-hmm. and it involves, you know, statements like, well, I don't know anything, like, like, if you imagine the person on, on television who talks in a country accent and goes, well, I don't know, much about the fancy learning Mm. but i know what i know like that Mm -hmm. i will not be interested in your story because there's a weird level of kind of malice behind it i wish i knew the the integral parts of good storytelling because this guy had them down and there's clearly a formula to make this guy that good at it yeah because it it was an interesting story, it was a great story. He basically took me through eight years of his adopted daughter's life. That sounds super interesting. And his daughter is eight now, he's 68. His daughter is eight and he's 68. Yes. That's Be- insane. Because he he had kids, they all moved away. Because, okay. you know, kids do that. They do. But he, he was telling the story, and essentially the high points of it wa- war, were, were, A, his wife's British, an expat, also... A commander nurse. Oh. In the Navy? Okay. So, she delivers a baby in a prison to a niece she never knew. What? She delivers her niece's baby and her niece is in jail for possessing crack cocaine. Oh my gosh. Adopts this baby that she delivers cause you know, if you have a baby in prison it just gets put in the system. Yeah, which is super unfortunate. Yeah, so she adopts this baby. It's okay, so it's not his wife, it's a sister. See I'm bad at telling stories. Well you just don't get details right. Yeah. Which is a big part of not telling stories right. Anyway, a sister Gives him this baby because she's reactive and has to go to a rock. Okay. Wait, why a rock? Because she was activated. Because there was a situation in a rock like eight years ago. Oh. Who has to go to a rock? The baby? No. So the sister who has the baby. Who delivered the baby. Who was in jail? Yes. The sister was in jail. The niece was in jail. What? Anyway, look. What are you saying? This is why storytelling is hard. Alright, All right, look. This All is right. how it wins. Time out. Yes. There's a commander nurse. Yes, who delivered a baby? Who delivered a baby in prison? She went to Iraq. She was activated by the Navy, had to go to Iraq, can't take a baby with her. Why not? Because you can't take a baby to Iraq. It's like number in, one in, in general. The, it's like number uh, When you're activated, you can't take children in right. your care. See, this is don't let me do this. Oh, I will derail your story with questions. So she gives it to her brother, who is 60 at the time your boss different person your person at the yeah, yeah yeah person anyway so he raises it and the baby has like you know when when you give birth to a baby when you have a lot of opiates in your system sometimes the baby isn't all right crack baby sure yes actually that yeah that's a shame it is keep going so that is the the case of that baby Alright. And over the course of eight years of life, because he's a fully disabled military veteran, because he had decent rank in the Air Force, and all of this stuff, this baby, raised perfectly healthy, really good in school. When it goes to college, it'll get $1,000 a month full-ride scholarship to a really nice school in the state. A, A crack baby has the best possible outcome. That's awesome. Because of this dude. Yeah, that's awesome. This dude's great. That's cool. Now, here's the thing about why that story was so great. Mm. Interesting subjects. Yeah. You know, you can, anything's a story. Going to the store and getting groceries can be a story. Mm. And you can remember it and tell it as, as, like, as good as you can. But it's still just going to the grocery store. Yeah, and I think no matter, no matter how badly he told that story, it still would have been a great story. Also, second thing about great storytelling, it was not about him. Mm-hmm. It was about this other person. Yeah, he was he was just interpreting things through himself, how, how he saw these things unfold, and he talks about himself only as far as he was directly involved and talks about other people. Yeah, and to tell a story about someone else, you have to care a lot about them, really. Mm-hmm. You, you, we don't usually tell stories about people we don't care about, mm-hmm. and hate is like a certain form of care. So it's it's like you're not focusing on yourself, having interest interesting subject matter, and then add that to the formula of good storytelling with the questions and whatnot. And then you have a good storyteller. So just be a good person and live an interesting life and most of the storytelling just falls out of that. Yeah. Alright. And don't talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I find that that's, like, one of the biggest turn-offs of stories is, like, when you focus too much on yourself, I, I lose interest, for sure. I, uh, it's been an uphill battle for me my entire life to just not talk about myself. Yeah. I'm really bad at not talking about myself because I, I view the world in this, like, semi-solipsistic way where I just talk about how I directly perceive things and don't talk about how other people... Really had anything else to do, there was a really weird period of, of my life where I first got to college and here's a story about myself where uh i I encountered people who talked about themselves for like the first time ever because mm-hmm. where I come from, we don't really talk about ourselves we talk we have conversations you know mm. we, we talk with each other, but it was I really ran into people in college who who f- focused solely on themselves what events that happened meant to them and stuff like that and i i I didn't know what to do i didn't know how to talk to that person because i hadn't experienced it before Mm -hmm. i mean if someone focuses purely on themselves it's it's such a huge conversational non-starter yeah what am i supposed to say to you (laughs) self-aggrandizing yeah you really felt that way it's true. You you felt an emotion and said something. Cool. And, and it's like trying to, to come up with conversation, like the next part of the conversation, I naturally think, well, what would I think in that conversation or, or in that situation? Or how, what's a situation that I could relate to? Because it's like we're we're talking about personal experiences, so I'm going to offer the only thing I have, which is my own personal experience, but then it just becomes... I experienced this. Oh, I experienced that. Oh, I experienced this. Which, it's not really a conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more of just, like, it kind of turns into a one-upsmanship contest. And, and stories can do that really easy. Also, something this guy did, separate story. Great way to be an engaging storyteller. Use military lingo. Oh, that Im- Immediately puts me in where you're talking about. That's awesome. He was talking about, like, serving in Vietnam and, and Agent Orange, and he used the word Charlie... He was talking about like fence lines and stuff without being racist. <laughs> he managed to he managed to tell a compelling war story without any weird hand wringing racism. I mean that just comes from living that life and then transitioning into a life that where that's not acceptable. So you you do you watch the way you speak, but then mm. when you refer back to that life, you fall into a certain mode. Mm. I I really. I enjoy military lingo from people who have lived it. People who haven't lived it, it's like, fuck you, whatever. Don't say LZ if you're not a military dude. What's a rendezvous? It's a rendezvous. What's a rendezvous? Uh, it's a kind of drink. It's a tiki drink. Mm. (laughs) Tiki drink. But, nah, storytelling is so great. I think there's a saying out there that storytelling comes with age, because you really have to have experiences to be able to tell stories, and we're still, what, in our 20-somethings or whatever? Mm Mm-hmm. We're not, we can't tell stories, what are we? We don't even have any stories to tell. We've got stories of like, oh man, when I was a kid, but it's like, okay, you were a kid. And also you're still kind of a kid. Well, yeah, we're all still kids, and so we reach about 60-something, and then we can tell great stories. Yeah, I look forward to that. You know, when your stories can start with, you know, back in the day and Mm. have it not be either ironic or just plain wrong. Or if you can start a story with, back when, and then you can say something that is different than how it was today substantially, good story. People who start their stories with, you know, back during the Bush administration. (laughs) Yep. Because that's just a point, like, maybe they thought of that time period related to that administration for whatever Mm. reason. But when you start a story with, back in Nam, to clarify, I didn't say back in Nam, he said back in Southeast Asia, and then he told me how he served on this tiny little island, and he told me how made Migs he shot down, I'm like, this is a great story. <laughs> I hope you, that's what you did in person, like, he finished and just, this is a great story, and he's like, now about that loan? <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. What's crazy is, he came in looking for loan services we don't even offer, and I was like, oh, sorry, we... we can't we can't do those we don't do those yeah then he sat down and i was like well if you have time for a story i was like oh this is great i need to kill <laughs> to kill time for my lunch break and you look like i'm talking to someone about alone that sounds awesome sweet yeah it was such a saving grace my day was dragging i see and uh, you were also receptive to the story because a lot of the times storytellers or the ones that run into uh they, they often push stories you know like, On people, Mm -hmm. rather than like, do you want to hear a story? Or there's always the trap, have I ever told you about the time when... (sighs) That's a trap. Yuck. See, you're even yawning, because you've probably experienced it. It was like a weird reflexive yawn. Yeah. But storytelling, like improv, is something that's best brought to people who want it. Yeah. Than people who don't. There's there's actually, there are people out there who, they're not stand-up comedians. They're storytellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're big in, like, the D.C. area. We, we saw one in Oxford that Yeah, time. we did. We did. Uh, he was good. Yeah. And so, like, it, it's it's more of an art form than, I guess, people tend to realize. hmm And it, it's inherently... Ooh, in, God. Inherently. Inherently. <clears throat> it's inherently different from writing, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot tell a story, but I can write you a story. Mm-hmm but it's going to be fiction because my own life is a desert of experience. I mean they're totally different uh, art forms. Yeah. You can tell a story in a in a words, but you can't tell a story in a painting. Like I like I had to defend so many times during my undergraduate career, I am not a speaking major. I don't know how to speak well or even correctly, but I can write. Yay, goodwill hunting. Goodwill hunting. Ah, that was a we need to combine Beowulf and Goodwill Hunting somehow. I'm okay with that. Like, splice those two movies together? Yeah! And Jelena was in both. That's a lie. A complete I think another yep. lie. <laughs> that is a lie. Was she in either? Let's. No, let's splice uh, Dead Poets Society with uh, Godzilla. That, that one makes more sense. I would also have accepted Dead Poets Society and Deadpool. Oh! Oh, Captain, my Captain! Fart, fart, fart. Oh, Captain, where's Francis? <laughs> oh, Captain, where's Francis? You could say it with the same intonation. You got a thing to talk about? Do I have a thing to talk about? Yeah. Because I do, if you don't. Well, how much time we get left, dude? Ah, shit. We got emails to get to. I mean, oh, let's do emails. Hurry, hurry, Here we emails. Go. Here we go. Okay, wait. We need to say the name of the segment. It's time for, for our time-honored, time-honored segment. segment. Oh, I thought you were singing. A classic uh, segment one that we've done for ages hence and thence. Are you ready to say it? Yes. Questions Questions from from you with with A statements? Nope. Okay, back it up. Questions with you? No, back it up. Back it up. Questions Questions from you with statements from us. us. That sounds about right. Yeah. QF. QF statements. (laughs) QF with statements F us. Today's letter, or letters, I don't know. Letters. Today's letter comes from First, or One, or Primavera. Primavera. Or X, the mystery emailer. Or X, the mystery emailer, (laughs) who writes... Let me put my reading voice on. Hello, dear friends. This weekend was the release of the new Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It's a rehearsal script featuring a story by J.K. Rowling, but it's actually written by Jack Thorne. What? Having read the entire script in a single day since the book's midnight release, I noticed the difference in writing style, but recognized the underlying plot lines and themes that seemed distinctly J.K.'s. At first I was unsure, but by the end of the script, I thought it did live up to the hype. Overall... I truly enjoyed the book and was delighted to have a new Harry Potter story. So that's the setup. Here comes the questions. What are your thoughts on book sequels published years after the originals? Midnight releases, writing collaborations, stage plays experience not as plays but as written scripts, and the Harry Potter phenomenon as a whole. There's a caveat. Answer as many or as few of these many questions as you like. I just like to hear you talk. And then there's a wink. Aww. And uh, from your favorite Ravenclaw. X, X. The Mystery Emailer. The Mystery Emailer. Alright, so uh, that's a lot. That's a lot to cover. Yeah. I have something to say for book sequels written out by the original author. What do you have to say about that, mister? I read the Wheel of Time series. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Read most of that, actually. But that's an instance of a book series that was completed by a different author. So here's two. I really like Dune. Frank Herbert's Dune. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. I think that the first Dune is a fantastic, like... Why would you Transformative book for science fiction. Dune is such a good book. Dune's a great book. And a good movie. And the Frank... Two okay movie. No, one good movie, one okay miniseries. You're talking about Cocoon? Yes, no. no. That nothing to do with it. Okay, but I uh, really like Dune. Dune's good. Frank Herbert's Dune. Every book is... The, the course of Dune is amazing, because the first book, really good. Other books, kind of mediocre. But the story as a whole goes to such insane, trippy hellholes. It's, it's great. Okay. The characters that you loved in the original Dune are like ideas or godworms. The world has changed completely. It's this strange, psychedelic sci-fi universe by the end of it, and it is great. Okay. However, once Frank Herbert ceased to exist... Some might say pass away. Brian Herbert took over. His son. His books were terrible. Yes. I, I don't know why people's progeny think that it's okay to use their ideas and then write books and make money off them. That's not probably what they're actually doing. They're trying to do honor to, their, to the legacy of their forebears but it just really doesn't work ever. Yeah, it's hard to capture the same feeling and writing as someone else. Some might say it's near impossible. Mm. I'd say it essentially is impossible. Um, So I I thought I heard this about this Cursed Child play, that the story was by J.K. Rowling, but it was actually written by someone else. Mm. Because what I've heard about the actual performance is that the actors are great, the performance is great, the set is great, the play is great, but the writing suffers. Mm. And in a play, it's like, I mean, if the writing suffers, everything kind yep. of suffers. I'd say in a book if the writing suffers. But I guess it depends on uh, <laughs> on how this re- this rehearsal script is, uh, is put to book. Uh, they, they call it a rehearsal script. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, publishing... Plays, that's another sort of topic that's interesting. Because there there are plays out there that are just called pocket plays. Mm -hmm. Plays that were written, never intended to be performed, but written to be read. Mm -hmm. And this is a play that's being performed and published as a book. I I don't know. It's just a playbook. I mean... The feeling to me is that Curse Child came out as a book at full retail price for a book, essentially to make a bunch of money because they know that they could. Well, yeah, the the Harry Potter brand is now worth millions, billions even. Mm -hmm. It's got a theme park. I'm surprised it doesn't have a cartoon. And, I mean, the fact that they've held off on publishing more books in that universe for so long, pretty admirable. So why now? Uh, because it's been long enough. Has it? Because a a work that has enough to it to be committed to paper and sold for the price of an actual book, it's not just some Pottermore stuff. Okay. I, I think that now that they have, like, something with meat on their, meat on its bones, they can sell it. The epilogue of the original series left me thinking, our story is done. Yeah, because it was. So, how do you continue from a feeling of completion? Um, and how do you continue as a corporate entity or a person? No, as a story. Where do you, where does the story if a story is over? Mm-hmm. How do you continue it? Uh, you write more words in that universe. You forget the fact that it ended. You you take the power out of a story and turn it into something else. But then does that not diminish Endings as a whole. Absolutely. So why do it? Uh, money. I know, but, like, the books, I they're still making huge amounts of money. Mm-hmm. They've made tons of money. The movies broke money. Money <laughs> is useless now. It's in true. This post-Harry Potter phenomenon world. Why? 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 Uh, this is gonna sound awful. I think? I think you get to this point as a society when you have an author of something truly great who doesn't care that much about it anymore. Or are we being too cynical? Probably. Is there a scenario where J.K. Rowling doesn't care about the series that much anymore? Hmm. I don't think there is. I mean, that's that's the world that I believe that I live in, is I, is I don't think she's as committed to it being as pure as it was anymore, I, and I think okay, maybe she's reaching a level of sort of diminished care—not not diminished, but let you know because what I've what I've I read this somewhere. I don't I forget who said it, but they said it was the play was Harry Potter enough. Mm-hmm. So it's like there are and like like our mystery writer has sent um, that it, it it's. It's close to the feel and the ideas of the series. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're t- tan gentle we're, we're, or adjacent to mm-hmm. an actual Harry Potter entry. I mean, so, I, I think that, that arguments for it, like how it affects endings as a whole, it goes kind of into what we were talking about with anthologies yeah. and segmented stories. But I think that segmented stories succeed because they have a, a homogenous storytelling. They have a an an identity. That if it's, if they're saying Harry Potter enough, yeah. the identity is partially intact. Yeah. But how much of that is, it's just intertextually tickling the right nerve centers of my brain to remind me of the Harry Potter that I used to love, versus it is doing the things that I love that Harry Potter did, which was new things. So it's sort of like what Jurassic World did. Yes. Because Jurassic World was basically a trip down memory lane, look, remember this from Jurassic Park, look from all this other stuff from Jurassic Park, mm. while not actually doing the innovation that Jurassic Park did. I mean, I can't say, having not read it, I can't say that it doesn't do anything new. But it could you say it's, like, similar? Yeah, no, I... Because I, if, if we're... If because we're, it, it's all in this in this mold of intertextuality, which is ruining art. Well, yeah, I mean, of course. But if we're living in this world where it's Harry Potter enough, and that's sort of, that, that that's like, just that quality is saying it's not Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, we're compromising the world that, that has been constructed with something that might not be the full experience. Why release that instead of staying within that world, but focusing on different characters? Why not pull a Discworld? I think in saying... It's Harry Potter enough. That's much more problematic than maybe I thought it was at first. That's a very scary thing to say. Because if you say it's Harry Potter enough, you are not necessarily saying that it is enough like the original story, that it is acceptable. You're saying that it is choosing... To to live in a framework that the original story created and people have adopted, but do not necessarily connect to the quality of the storytelling of the original. Yeah. Like, we have this situation with, uh, kind of with Game of Thrones currently, okay. and and it's happening. I think it absolutely has happened with Harry Potter. Maybe it happened with Harry Potter first, where Harry Potter became more than the sum of its parts, and not necessarily in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't books, it wasn't this single, linear, really well-told, artful story with nuances in it. I like Harry Potter. It became this idea that this unkillable cloud of, of ideas that can communicate back and forth, but don't necessarily mean, oh, if it's tickling this nerve center of my brain, it reminds me of this story. It just reminds me of this thing it's become. Harry Potter is a it is a is an emotion you know it, or that's that's too reductive it, it's a series of emotions you know it's mm-hmm. this whole general feeling you get when you read the books and you're experiencing the story mm-hmm. which is a good story I'm not, I'm not knocking it mm-hmm. but I think that I'm protective of the feelings that I had when I was reading these books mm-hmm. that I, I don't want to settle for Harry Potter enough. I, I feel like that sets a, a bar that now people can either go under, but hopefully will strive to go back above. Mm-hmm. But with people, you know, with with late capitalism, going under the bar is the way to go. It, the cheaper route is always the way to go. I mean, if, if we can stand to be protective of these things, we are recognizing that intertextuality is a threat. Oh, yeah. Because Jurassic World, like we were talking about, when you... Hear the music from Jurassic Park. You're not being reminded of the story of Jurassic Park. You're not being reminded of it as a piece of art as it exists. It's just reminding you of the feelings that Jurassic Park made you feel. It's it's virulent nostalgia. And which s- nostalgia's a bad thing in this context. It's not always good. So much of nostalgia is is the feelings that you had, not mm-hmm. not actu- the meaning. Throw meaning out of the window and replace it with feelings. I mean, I think that's what we're talking about when we say this thing Harry Potter became, because it became nostalgia. Yeah. It it has a nostalgia to it. It has this, these ideas, these feelings that we felt because the original thing was worthwhile, it was really special, it was really important to us, and things can play with those feelings if they have the right tools, and that's what intertextuality is. It's playing with the text in your head. It's playing with this thing you hold dear without necessarily adding to it. It's just, you know, trying to stimulate you. And so I think the way to, to, to avoid that is to, you can continue to write within that world. If you can capture that same feeling, but then focus on a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. Do like a Tales of Beetle the Bard or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a different series entirely, but who's Beetle the Bard? I have no idea. Uh, No, I guess that's Harry Potter. Is it? I guess. But do like Tolkien did. He did The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. But instead of like doing, continuing The Hobbit, he made Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Which is a different story set in the same world, tying that character in, but focusing on the next set of characters. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if Harry Potter wanted to continue, if J.K. Rowling was wanting, wanting to sign off on... The next entry into this world, it should have moved on from Harry Potter and his his family and his friends, maybe focused on their kids, That that's a direction to go, or mm-hmm. just go completely somewhere else, focused maybe on the bad people of the world. Mm-hmm. But that would be more for an, a more yeah. adult series, because it's hard for, for kids' series to kind of focus on bad people. And, I mean, like I said, I, n- I haven't read The Cursed Child. Neither have I. It might be great, and I'm not necessarily judging. I just haven't heard anyone who I trust tell me that the writing is good enough to stand on its own. I mean, even our mystery writer here says that she was unsure at first, and she had to think about it, mm-hmm. you know, she, I don't want to put words in her mouth, on Mystery Writer's mouth, but it sounds like she had to do a little bit of convincing on her part as well. Mm. So something about the text is not, you can't just swallow it, you know, as it is. Yeah, something just doesn't necessarily feel right. And the writing might be of fine quality, it's just not right. Yeah. And, I don't know, I'm in the camp of, if if J.K. Rowling isn't writing Harry Potter books, maybe there shouldn't be Harry Potter books. And to the credit of the person who did write it, whose name was on this email. Jack Kerouac. No, it's Jack Thor- Thorne. Okay. To, to his credit, he he wrote it as a play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, debuted it as a play. And totally different uh, requirements for writing those two things. and And also, like... I don't know if he originally had any intentions of publishing. Mm-hmm. He may have had to be convinced. But I, I really feel like he was probably just doing something in a new medium so that, like, there's not as many connections to the old as much as people bring in their own feelings when they, when they see something. But maybe he was just trying to tell his own story in that world mm. in play format Hoping that the play format would be, like, distant enough from the existing material to stand on its own. And in that case, I can't blame him. Yeah. That's a a noble thing to do. It's exactly what we're saying. Exactly. Focus maybe on on something else in a different medium, because mediums change the story you're telling. And, uh, you know, so if we want to focus on Harry Potter, do a series of scratch-and-sniff postcards... For your next story. I'd be okay with that. The Smell of Hagrid. The Smell of Hagrid. Just to be totally clear, though, this is not the most egregious form of book sequels being written by people who didn't write the originals. This is admirable by comparison to some. Yeah. For this this many people compromising and saying, okay, we know it's not by J.K. Rowling, but it's, you know, it's got some of the same feelings. Mm -hmm. I mean, Wheel of Time people know. Yep. Dune, people definitely know. Oh yeah, and in the future Game of Thrones readers <laughs> will definitely know. Oh boy, hopefully not. But I- I'm starting to get more cynical than than optimistic about that series. <laughs> we will see. Or the people. Did you know that James Bond books are still being made? Yeah, and Jason Bourne. Yeah, Robert Ludlum. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, both of those authors—they're getting up there. Well, not okay. Well, Ian Flynn. Yeah, he's... He's dead. He's super dead. So, I thought so was the original Jason Bourne author. Oh, Robert Ludlum is dead. Yeah. Oh, shit. But those books are still coming out. Yeah. What? Yep, making that money. It's weird, but people keep continuing stories, and I think it's, you know, it's a, wanting to be a part of something, and, and you feel like you're a part of something enough that you feel like you can handle it, so you do it. And if there's anything to take away from this, nostalgia's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. If you feel nostalgic about something... Examine why you're feeling that way, what, so you can determine whether or not it's good. But I think most most people today are aware that they they know Jurassic World isn't as good as Jurassic Park. Some people, yeah, some, some people who are woke. I don't know. I it seems like nostalgia is the new corporate recipe for money these days. Absolutely, it means that nothing new is getting made, pretty much. And if you look at the things being produced, oh my God, I. Didn't, I, I they, re- they remade Ben-Hur. Yeah. They remade Ben-Hur, and the trailer is advertising it as a straight action film. They remade Ben-Hur, and they made it about chariot racing. Yes. Yep. It's no longer a movie with a chariot race in it. It is now a movie about chariot racing. Yep. How do you... Why... What, one, why do you remake Ben-Hur? Mm. Two, why do you do it dumb? Yeah. Three, Charleston Heston is rolling in his grave. He is. He hasn't stopped. He started a long time ago. What's next? Remaking Psycho? Oh, wait. Oh, no. Uh, Remaking Don't Wait Until Dark? What's that one? It's about a blind woman who's accosted by a psychopath. Oh, you mean like... Hush? But isn't that contextually different? It is. Hush is great. Not at all that. Anyway. Wake up, people. Woke up, sheeple. Don't swallow the same nostalgia-laced reboots and sequels that we've been force-fed forever. You learned a long time ago that you should think about why you feel a certain way. Don't stop that just because you're watching or reading something. Keep thinking about why you're feeling a certain way even though you're consuming and then you'll become an intelligent consumer. However, do check out the new Power Rangers movie. I've heard it's nothing like the TV show. Brian Cranston's in it. What? Yeah, he plays the big head. Nice. So Check that out. Because I think I, that might be an example of something that does something different, not as nostalgia-based, but also it's going to be terrible and we, we have to buckle up and watch it. Oh, right? yeah. Prepare for a review, mother effers. <laughs> All right. oh way we can curse, mother frackers. Yeah. Frack this, fraculons. Fractivists. Fractivists. Oh, man. Do you think in Battlestar Galactica, when all the people. Okay, so in, like, season three, when they were really, like, impoverished on the Cylon-controlled planet, were they fractivists? Probably. I don't know what you're saying. Launch all vipers. I-, I-, I don't understand anything. Launch all vipers. This is like a snake. Yeah. So I hope we answered your question, mystery reader, uh, writer, listener. Emailer X. I. I, I don't know if you, those answers are going to be good, if you're going to like that, but hey, that this is zero credits, and we don't have credentials, and we will try to answer more of your emails in the future. Yeah. Or more of that email, because we only covered, like, two parts of it. I think we, we... Okay, real quick, what do you feel about Midnight Releases? Dumb. Okay. Wait till the morning. All right, you heard it here first, folks. John doesn't like Midnight Releases. And with that, most of that email is answered. We'll get to more of it later, probably. Yeah, you should be asleep. <laughs> oh, at midnight. <laughs> yeah. At midnight when the thing releases. Yeah. Not not now when they're listening to not the Not the list. No, no, no. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that up. Now. Yes. I think mm. it's time to plug ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But that wording's a little questionable. You know what you want to do? Me? Personally? No, you, the listeners. Oh, you're talking to them. I couldn't tell. You want to send us an email. At? ZeroCreditsIsAPodcast at gmail.com. You can get your question read, just like our mystery reader. And if you wanted to take a more hostile tone and correct us, well, we'll read that email, too. Yes, please. Look, we said a lot about fracking. We, we said a lot about Harry Potter. Certainly you've got opinions of one or more of these topics. Jump on the handles that you own, the email handles, and write us some stuffs. Come at me, frackheads. Yeah, you fraculons. Prove to me fracking's good, I dare you. Alternatively, if you're feeling bold and courageous, you can call us out publicly. Yeah. On our Twitter. At zcpcwhj on twitter.com. And we're working to heal the wounds that we stirred up in Colorado about a month ago. Was that about fracking? No, it was a forest fire. Ooh. Wildfire. Classic fracking accidents. So you can rest assured that you're in good company. Yeah. An entire county of Colorado will join (laughs) you and be mad at us. Have you ever upset hundreds of people without meaning to? Us too! yeah twitter's great it's a great social network platform thing that lets people yell at other people so come out and embarrass us and we'll write back that we're sorry true so uh you want to get out of here yeah probably go grab some milkshakes oh man oh dude 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 half price shakes after eight at sonic what? what what why are we doing this get out of here and leave we gotta go get milkshakes at sonic go to sleep I'm not afraid to